0: With us today is Lisa Headley, Ayurvedic practitioner, founder of the Mayflower Spa. This is Lisa Headley's Strategies for Dealing with Stress. Hello, Lisa. Hello. And today we are going to talk about stress. Yes.
1: Right. Right. Because that's what, you know, theoretically the entire show's about. Okay. But yeah.
0: can I just comment prior to your
1: <laughs> that
0: I am noticing, and I don't know whether this is. Whether I'm crazy or they are, but I am noticing there are people who are almost more wedded to their stress and being stressed than taking steps to de-stress.
1: Or well, de-stress. that's because we all love our habits, right? We, we all guess. love to be what we perceive ourselves to be, but, and then it becomes this self-fulfilling Prophecy nastiness. almost, yeah. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. But you know why I called this show Stress Today? No, why? Because I was watching one of those TED Talks, you know, how they've the TED Talks have burst out of their seams and become much more ubiquitous. Have you noticed? Yes. And it's a good thing because they're interesting. And they oh, I find them always provocative, even when they seem a little mundane. Anyway, this one was terrific. And it was Kelly McGonigal, I guess is her name. She's a health psychologist out of Stanford. And she was talking about stress. And she was saying, her premise was, you have to make friends with your stress. Now, this is something I loved to hear from Dr. McGonigal and anybody else, because it's something I've said forever when we've talked about stress. Um, It's part of the reason I wanted to start this show, because I thought there was such a misperception about stress, about, you know, stress is not necessarily an enemy, as we've talked about. Stress is the thing that also gets you up in the morning. It gets you going. It's an energizer, because stress is really hormones right, in the body. And those hormones are what propel us to action. So in the ancient times, it was, I'm just reiterating stuff we've talked about before, but just to get the premise straight, that cortisol and adrenaline and those kinds of stress hormones are the ones that get you running when the tiger's after you. In our culture, it's what theoretically gets us the energy and the wherewithal to be able to multitask and do the thousands of things our modern lives demand. The problem and the reason that it's become so talked about is that an excess of cortisol and adrenaline and those kinds of stress hormones, and I keep saying that because there are different stress hormones, but those kinds of stress hormones have been proven in study after study after study to be linked to everything from hypertension to weight gain to heart attack to you name it, diabetes, everything, can be linked back in some level to this excess of those kinds of hormones flowing to your detriment in your bloodstream. And some of those take a really long time to flush out. Some of them are flushed more quickly. But in any case, too much of them starts to create all sorts of problems. And we know that, and doctors have said that. And in Ayurveda land, And holistic medical practice, that has also been a very clear idea that you need to be able to calibrate the way that your hormones are released in your body and the way you experience your hormones in your body to be healthy, to be balanced, to create a kind of good environment in your system. So what Dr. McGonigal is getting on and saying is, whoa, there are some new studies out there that show that we've been thinking about stress wrong to some extent. And she says in her lecture that she had been talking to people, as has the media, saying stress is terrible, get rid of stress, you can't have any stress, stress is terrible. So Dr. McGonigal is saying something, and we'll get to exactly what she's saying, but saying something that we've said on this show many, many times, which is what we're talking about is managing our stress. We're not so much talking about, and I've never talked about eradicating it. We've talked about managing it. So now to get to her TED Talk, she was saying that there's new studies out, and this is so interesting, that it is true. That when you have a stress response, you release these hormones and it's, your heartbeat starts going and your heart races and your vessels constrict. This was true, but it was only true for people who believed that stress was bad. The people that believed that that heartbeat and that whole thing that happens was good for them, was helping them, their blood vessels did not constrict. So that's fascinating. That's that's
0: also fascinating to me because one of the things that you said at the very beginning when we we started this show, you have to have some stress. It's like, you didn't say it's like gravity. I'm saying it's like gravity. You have to have, if there is stress, then that would explain distress. You can't have
1: no stress. Right. But so what she's saying now is proven, scientifically and medically, which is why I glommed onto it, because in Ayurveda, we've said this forever. But in Western medical science now, there is proof and people are talking about the idea that how you think about your stress matters. You change your mind you can change your body's response. And that's, I'm going to say it again, that is what Ayurveda and the holistic health practices at their best have always said, is it's not a matter of saying, this part of me is bad and that part of me has to go. and da, da, da. It's a matter of saying, these things exist in our physiognomy and our physiology and we are going to learn to manage them and work with them. And what's the, what's the kicker? The kicker is it's your mind. It's your mind. You can change your mind and change your body's response. And so this is nothing new for what we talk about, but it sure is something new for how you look at stress. And so if you start to think of your stress response as helpful, if you believe that, then your veins don't constrict and you're not getting the bad results. But then there is more interesting science. So oxytocin, which is another stress hormone, Um it's a neurohormone, so it's a stress hormone. It strengthens close relationships. It enhances empathy. It's, you know, you've heard about it. It's the, the hugging hormone, I think it's called. So your pituitary gland makes this along with the other stress hormones that we've been talking about, but it's the one that directs you to go and find loving relationships and be huggy and soft and fuzzy and wooey. And it's a natural anti-inflammatory, which causes the vessels to relax so there's some evidence that your mind is al- is helping you to produce more of this hormone that makes the stress response manageable for you. It makes you able to use the good parts and not have all of those deleterious effects. Now, this is not like, oh, good, now I should go court stress and I should court situations where my heart's going to race and I'm going to be all jazzed up on hormones. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is just learn to manage your stress better. And- but the other the other interesting thing is that it also means if the oxytocin idea is to be carried out, further, that it actually strengthens your heart, like literally your heart, heart, the really thing that's in there beating in your chest, but also caring creates resilience. So the more you're producing of that hormone, which is the huggy-wuggy, mooey-fuzzy hormone, the more resilient you're going to be against the deleterious effects of stress to you. So caring, people who cared for others have less stress. And this is also some, sorry. Go on. It's also something that we empirically know or we feel. I mean, you've probably felt that. When I when I was listening to this and thinking about it, I I thought, huh, I've felt that. You know, I felt that thing when I'm engrossed in helping somebody else. Maybe let's say go through a terrible situation that I've gone through. Counseling people, or just counseling people. Period. Since it's what I do for a living, I definitely feel. Better. I feel good. I feel like it, it erases some of the bad, stressful things that are going on in my own life. And I guess there's some biology behind it.
0: And then there's a combination, th- there are a couple of other things that there have been studies, which you, I believe, have talked about, where if you, if you pet a dog, if you, 10 minutes or something, or a small amount of time spent petting an animal, a companion animal, raises
1: or creates oxytocin. Yep. I, they've even shown that that's true for fish. <laughs> that seniors with fish tanks. I wouldn't have ever thought that. I thought it had to do with the, far, the warm, fuzzy. Or touching it? Know, hmm? You mean the actual touching it? Yeah. I thought it had to do with that, and I, I realized when I listened to the other studies that it also just happens to be living things that you can relate to. So if you're watching something do its thing, if you're just being in the moment watching
0: fish fish around in the fish
1: tank? That I don't can know also- how it works. I'm just saying that's what they say, because huh. <laughs> there have been studies about that. You know, there's no, I think there's no question that the more closely you can relate to the animal... I mean, this just seems logical to me. The more closely you can relate to the animal like a dog or a cat that's cuddly and warm and fuzzy, the more that kind of response you might elicit. But there are studies in the nursing homes that just having that fish tank in the, in the common room helps people. So, it has something to do with live creatures that you have to feed and you that have a rhythm. I think it probably has to do with all of those things. I mean, in Ayurvedic terms, again, using that paradigm, anything that gives you a sense of connection and a sense of, I guess you'd call it ritual, you know, feeding something, watching its rhythms, participating in the rhythms with another creature has benefits, and that would just be true in Ayurveda because anything that creates ritual and and an attachment to nature is going to be curative and healthy and good for you. So I don't. Know, I just find this stuff so fascinating. It is fascinating. Because-
0: but one of the things that I think you need to um, go go to the toolkit and um, talk about how to um, stop yourself because this is this is great theory and it's it 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 is absolutely fascinating uh, what i am observing in this commitment to stress that i'm seeing in a lot of different people is it's almost more comforting to have the stress because there's no way to apparently either process the feeling i they, they, so, something is happening where well
1: but it keeps you going it's like speed it's like an addiction to speed literally adrenaline cortisol these are speedy very potent things that course through your system and you get addicted to that you know again in, in in ayurvedic terms there's a term for it it's called rajas it's excitement and those states of excitement exist not only for stress for bad reasons but in like shopaholics They get that zing, that rajasic excitement, that zing that hits them from shopping. So you become addicted literally to the thing that's going to give you that zing. It's like thrill seekers, if you want to think of it
0: that way. Okay, so you are talking about the people that... um who 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 will go kite surfing in the middle of a hurricane or something yeah
1: something like that <laughs> something like that but obviously to different degrees but i think that people especially in this culture there's so much coming at you all the time and it's a question of entrainment that's that great concept where what you are used to becomes part of you so someone raised let's take an example like this somebody raised in new hampshire In the countryside, where they see maybe two cars a day on the road outside of their house as a general rule, and they live like that until they're 13, 14, 15. Seven is usually the cutoff for imprint of entrainment like that, but let's say they live in that environment for the better part of their youth. They are entrained naturally to that, and those people, even if they become city dwellers because they just love the zing of the city. They are entrained to that peace and quiet and will be the types of people, generally speaking, who need to go and get that relaxing fix, because that's their entrainment. My entrainment, for example, I grew up in Manhattan. My entrainment is definitely a city vibe, and I can often get more anxious, (laughs) not so much for me anymore, because I'm naturally a country person, but... Maybe not just like sort of preternaturally a country person, but my entrainment was this big, busy city thing. And that buzzy, big city thing is just the thing that feels like home to me because it is home. It's the thing I was entrained to understand the most. And so if you take stress as an idea, and they and they are also, they, the doctors, the Western science also talks about babies who are bathed in a lot of stress hormone in utero have a lot more stress and anxiety symptoms and problems, ex-utero, or whatever the expression is, once they're out in the world living their lives. So those stress hormones have powerful, not only entrainment value, shall we say, when you're already in the world, but even in utero, they can have strong effects because they're really strong things that really change our physiology. The only thing that this was pointing out was that your mind can play a very large role in the way that those hormones play out in your body. So it's just creating another mind-body connection that I love to hear Western science talk about because I, for one, believe it absolutely. So whenever I hear it talked about in empirical scientific terms, I get really excited because it helps me explain to people how important it is to think that way. But back to your issue about being addicted to stress, I think it's very real and very true. I even I I even suffer from that. But I do. I get into phases where I get into the Rajasic excitement, into the the fix of the ooh, I'm running around. I'm doing 12 things. I've got this. I've got that. And it takes me Quite a bit of meditation and intentional practice to calm it down and bring it back to the center that's in my toolbox. You know, this is my one of my tools, to to be able to bring myself back to something that feels like the center of me, where it's a calm place and a quiet place, no matter how much entrainment or you know, excitement there is going on around me. I wrote um, on my blog a while back, I had gone to, um, I think we even talked about this to the Art Basel Fair in Miami, and I have never been around so much rajasic excitement in my life, and it took me days. I don't, I don't, the, the blog was about the concept of rajasic excitement because it was such a vivid example to me of what happens. You get lots of people in a room all being excited together, and the pitch is so high, that you almost forget what you're doing there. You do forget what you're doing there. It's about art after all, right? But no, it was much more about the excitement of being in this social, highly pitched, she-she social setting, which is fun, you know? People but that should- also happens, P.S.,
0: at auction, and what happens, what it creates. and And this is, the other thing that I am on right now are fundamental, almost, not truths, but tenets of business or commercialism or politics or society because it's almost as though things have become so fragmented that the disco ball has
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's out of control it's anti- but it is and so therefore what are we going to do about it how are we going to manage those influences and impulses and the effects they have in our body we are going to work with our minds all right. Our but, mind is our tool here. The calming the mind, being able to tell your own mind to take get a, out of this, be quiet. Yeah. To, settle down. That is the primary tool now in this how, endeavor.
0: How does one how does one do that when they are being exhorted almost minutely to take this next thing? I saw I saw um an advert last night for um I don't know. It was it was it was a drug. It was a for bipolar disorder, and it was either a thirty. I believe it was a sixty-second commercial, and fifty seconds was side effects in a very soothing voice. Ask your physician about, and alas, death.
1: I love those lists.
0: More death, <laughs> yeah. double death, and <laughs> death, and all the while. With pictures of walking the dog and, you know, not feeling happy, but certainly feeling better. And I started thinking, well, this is a mixed message. And the very last thing that a stressed mind needs and or in my I'm not going to say very last, but mixed messages do not help with stress management. (laughs) <laughs> no, that I will they, say. They're
1: the exact opposite. They are the stir-upper of, yeah. you know what? They're, they're are like the dropping a little alka in excitement. the water.
0: It starts Absolutely. fizzing and effervescing.
1: and and Well, let me say this to you. I have, you know, besides the meditation, which I really think is the best thing, or any kind of contemplative practice, it's why I keep harping on yoga nidra, because yoga nidra, yogic sleep, is a guided meditation relaxation i've got a couple of them on offer for free up there on that blog site but what law life fantastic lawlife.com you can find some downloads there that do this it's a guided relaxation because i've realized there's just too many people who tell me i'm too stressed out to sit and meditate i can't make my mind quiet so this is guided relaxation proven to work even in western scientific terms this the idea that you're going to watch your breath but you're going to be guided through it so that you don't have to feel scared or nervous that you can't do it yourself so you all you have to do is make a date with the computer click on it and listen to one of these kind of guided relaxations and it for 20 minutes 14 15 20 minutes will bring you down and if you do that repeatedly your body starts to understand ah this is good. And this is a way for me to get to this more quiet place. So that's one really good antidote, if you mm-hmm. want to call it that. No, that's a or very good tool. One. And the other is that I don't, we've talked about this in a show, I think years ago, not to be underestimated, the power of aroma, of scent, even for people that don't love scent. So for example, this is going to sound really goofy, but I had found a artisanal soap, made of natural sandalwood, and I don't use it as soap. It was sitting in a dish in a shop, and I lifted it up to smell it, and it has this just beautiful aroma of sandalwood, which is very calming and good for the brain. So I have my little piece of soap (laughs) sitting on my desk. I'm I'm holding it right now as I speak. And I hold it to my nose, and I breathe it in, and that scent has become what I call an olfactory mantra for me. I've used it for so long now as a thing to calm myself down and a way to take a nice deep cleansing breath that it's become a tool to help me get back to a very quiet place in my mind. So there's lots of different ways to do this. And speaking of which, and this was yesterday, I swear to God, this was less than
0: 14 hours ago that I had this thought because I was reading one of uh, my historical fiction books that takes place. You know, women (laughs) used to carry a vinaigrette. Women yes. used to carry you, – you, if, if somebody yes. fainted, they yep. were – you held something under their nose to revive them. It's, yep. it's, same, it's the same salt. idea. It's, the, it's same the same exact idea. idea. And I thought, <laughs> wow. You know, you never – very few people left home without their either – because things – shall we say they smell? I'm very sensitive to smell. And things really there, – there was a definite stench. Back in the day, that doesn't quite come across in movies or in books, you know. Yeah,
1: right. You can't, yeah. Yeah. Yuck. So,
0: <laughs> so you needed something to get away from that. Isn't odour. it a posy? That, that too. That too. Pocket you could, full of posies. Keep it under your nose. But, yeah. but the, the point is that you're activating that
1: same connection to your uh, exactly. senses. Exactly. It's all about a connection. And that's just training. You know, you can't have a connection instantly. Well, you might. Like you might have an instant connection to something that makes you feel good, but then you've got to use it repeatedly so that it's a tool that's ready and accessible to you.
0: And so those are either two or three things that – oh, I, I want to add one thing to the list. We've got about a minute left. I would like to advocate for if you have a therapy animal because I know a lot of people who do. They even have notes for these animals. Or if you have a companion animal, or if you just have an animal nearby, you could also take a quick second to stop and—you've heard of smell pet. the roses, pet the animal, pet
1: the dog, pet yeah, the dog, stop pet and the get dog, scratch the cat,
0: uh, because yep. that's another thing that is going to activate this connection. It's a pre-existing connection. I think that's another thing that a lot of people who get truly <sighs> fussed don't remember is that that connection all it's it, you don't have to build it you don't have to go and wire it it exists it needs to be
1: triggered exactly trigger trigger good word because that's what it is it's triggers they're triggers and they're triggers to a state of mind and now we know that that state of mind can really affect what's going on in other ways and other means in your body so that that would be the message du jour you know, make friends with your stress, but understand that you're changing your mind, so that you can change your body's response.
0: Thank you very much, Lisa Headley, Ayurvedic practitioner, founder of the Mayflower Spa. This is Lisa Headley's strategies for dealing with stress. You can also find her at la-life, L-A-H-life.com.